Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe Jacob. How's it going, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Now let's meet our correspondents for today. First, we got George. What's up, guys? Rip, Casey Okpala. You will serve a bigger purpose in the future, though. And then we got Brian. What's going on? I don't have much to say, but but what's up? And then last but not least, Kevin. Yo, what's good, everybody? All right, so let's get to it. So today we got a lot to talk about as the trade deadline draws near. And before we get into all of that, let's quickly address this past week as the Heat are currently on a three-game winning streak after losing the last three games before that. It should also be acknowledged that Miami has also blown out every team they've played in this winning streak, beating the Spurs by 17, Hornets by 18, and then the Wizards by 21. Seeing the way how Miami has played this past week while reclaiming first place in the Eastern Conference, what are some takeaways that you guys have in mind? Start us off, George. Yeah, it's been it's been a really good um, a really good week for Heat basketball after actually not playing that well and and looking quite lethargic on offense and defense as well. But I think that it's all coming together. You know, we're getting our, our guys back. I think the the big driving factor behind actually playing this well is the fact that Bam's been averaging even over these last few games nearly eight. I think it's a eighteen and a half field goal attempts per game, which is exactly what we want to see. Um, but I'm, I've been very happy with the way we've been playing. Duncan's even been shooting the ball well, um, barring that Charlotte game. But, you know, it's just good to know that if one or two of our guys are just having an off game, we can really, um, you know, we can turn it around with the offense of our other players as well. Hero was great as well. Um, Gabe looks, looked impressive. The entire roster just looks coming back to normal. And with the buyer market, coming uh, in a few days as well, I think we can get even stronger. Right. And how about you, Kevin? Yeah, man, I've been loving everything I've been seeing from the squad. Um, it's good to see. For the most part, we've been healthy. You know, obviously no Tyler Hero. But aside from that, like, it just looks like everybody's starting to, you know, clearly find their roles. Everybody's getting comfortable. You know, we've had a lot going on between injuries with just, you know, different guys stepping in, playing different roles. And just to see everybody back, you know, again, aside from Tyler for a little bit, but, uh, hopefully he can get healthy. Obviously, we still don't have Markeith Morris, and I don't know what's going to happen with that situation. But And, of course, we're waiting for Oladipo. But I just think it's, it's nice to just see everybody understanding what they're doing. I think the way that we play the game of basketball, the heat, that is, it's just fun to watch. I think that's the right way to play. It's unselfish. You know, we heard P.J. Tucker come out, like, what was that, a couple of weeks ago, saying that Jimmy Butler's probably the most unselfish superstar he's ever played with. And I just love hearing stuff like that because it looks like everybody gets a chance to score points. You know, Dwayne Devin has been playing out of his mind this season. P.J. Tucker, we all know he's been having a crazy great season. And I love it. And I think the biggest key, too, that's going to help us translate to the playoffs is that 
the team is putting a lot of confidence, and they've been doing this for the past few years, but this team specifically is putting a lot of confidence into Bam out of bio because we're going to need Bam to not necessarily not necessarily even be like dominant in the playoffs, but if he can just hit that mid-range jumper, especially off them handoffs with dunking, that's going to be key because that opens up everything for everybody else to have all the spacing in the world to operate with. So I love it. You know, we're beating teams that we're supposed to beat, you know, coming off of that three-game losing streak. And I think, you know, with everything that we've encountered this season and endured through the season and, and still be atop the Eastern Conference is a testament to everybody a part of the Heat organization and especially Coach Spo. So shout out to Coach Spo. I love what I'm watching right now. Ray, and how about you, Brian? Yeah, like you guys have mentioned, like I am really excited uh, to see how this team has been playing. Um, largely because Bam Adebayo seems to have taken a step in his aggressiveness. Like we have been asking this of him for years, you know, he can do whatever he wants to do on the basketball court. It's just a matter of doing it, flipping that switch. And to see him finally start to do that, it's uh, it's great. I don't I don't really care if he has an inefficient night or two. You know, like as long as he's putting up around 20 shots a game, I'm good. Like the efficiency will come. We know that Bam can can score in so many ways. And, you know, we need him to be a hub of offense for this team to be successful. I mean, not only that, I want to shout out Gabe Vincent. You know, Gabe Vincent's played really, really well as a two-way guy. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler continue, continuing to do Jimmy Butler things. Duncan Robinson shooting well shooting well again. Tyler Hero, you know, consider, uh, continuing his ascension and really solidifying himself as the sixth man of the year. Like, so many of these guys just clicking at the right time. And I think that historically, he teams have been better after the All-Star break. And it seems like these guys are kind of ramping up to making that run in the second half of the season. Like, I really think this is a team that can lock down that first seed, get home court advantage uh, throughout the playoffs and um, make a really solid run. Right. I agree. And before I continue, does anyone have something they want to add? Yeah, I just want to say real quickly, like, I mean, I know we probably touched on it on this pod before, but, like, with P.J. Tucker, man, like, what he's doing this season is ridiculous because, like, I don't think a lot of people thought that P.J. Tucker had in his repertoire what he's showcasing with the Heat, you know what I'm saying? Especially in his previous stops in Milwaukee last year, you know, going back to his days in Phoenix and Houston. Like, all of his coaches literally just made him a spot-up corner three-point shooter. That's all he did. And he got an offensive rebound if he had the opportunity. And we all know he could play lockdown defense. But what Spoles managed to do with him and the rest of the coaching staff, like, utilizing him as a primary facilitator and putting him in different spots on the court, like, it really just – I think P.J. Tucker alone is a testimony to why Coach Spo is the best coach in the league because most coaches in the league could not do what they're doing with P.J. Tucker is what Spo is doing right now. So I just want to throw that in there because I think it's amazing in my opinion. I agree 100%. You know, I know a lot of people diss the move of the Heat getting P.J. Tucker. But you know what? He has been so amazing this year. He's probably one of, if not my favorite role player on this team. Like everything he does is just a testament to Heat culture. And, you know, like you said, Kevin, a big shout out to Eric Spolstra because the dude is utilizing him in a way where not a lot of coaches have been able to use him for. And that's amazing to think about. And like, George, do you have something you want to add on? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say as well with with PJ. Ever since day one, I've been he's one of his biggest fans because when Bam went out, when Jimmy went out, and we looked like we had no 
um, offense, you know, no, no defensive anchor and no, no identity even on defense. And we thought we were going to drop 80% of the games that, that we were playing for the next six, seven weeks. And he proved that he can be that guy. He he single-handedly won us the game against Milwaukee. Him and 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 um, Caleb Barton's offense as well was just electric. But he he shut down everyone on that team and did it with no no praise whatsoever from the media, which which is fine. But whoever you know is up up against him, it, it must be the hardest job in the world because he moves so so well. He moves. To the right spot every time his, his IQ for the game exceeds so many of his of his um of his peers as well. But I'm gonna say at his age, whoever's working on him, as in working on his knees, I need that guy's number as well. My knees at 25 are just as bad. <laughs> and and for him to look like that, it's just it's a testament to the fact that he keeps himself right. He must be doing, you know, his training every day. And, and he's just keeping, he looks 25. He looks 25 for a guy that's we, we thought was going to be, you know, this bum coming off the bench for him to start and, and to completely lock down that starting role next to, next to Bam. And it's the best fit we've seen next to Bam since he's been in Miami. Um, it, it, it's the perfect player. He's, he was the missing, missing piece. And it proves the fact that we're the first, uh, first seed in the East really proved that right you know what like it's just overall everything pj has done for this heat team has been amazing and you know what let's let's see if pj gets a pick in this because to follow this up we got another segment of spotlight heat player of the week as we try to figure out who deserves praise after watching the heat go three and oh since our last pod so without further delay Who's your spotlight heat player of the week? Start us off, Kevin. Yeah, man, I'm going with Jimmy Butler. Um, I still don't think this dude gets as much credit as he should. Like, just the things that he does on the court, the way he's evolved his game, going back to, of course, when he, in his days with Chicago. But, like, man, like, he can easily go off for, like, 30 points on any given night. We see it. In games, he always shows flashes, like, where he has a little, like, mini 6-0 run by himself. Like, he can take over a game at any time. But his unselfishness has really been a big-time key in the rest of the team. And his confidence in his younger players from, you know, Tyler Hero, Max Struess, whoever it is, Caleb Martin. You can just tell that he loves playing with these dudes, and he gives them a huge boost of confidence. I think they take that, and they run with it. And you see it, it, it shows on the court. You know what I'm saying? They have a great camaraderie, and just the way that he leads is very different, especially because we all know the media that the – or excuse me, the narrative that the media try to put on him. It was always BS. And so – just for him to just do what he does at a high level, you know, consistently, I think, what, he's the all-time leader in triple-doubles for the Heat now. So, like, man, Jimmy's just amazing. I think we honestly probably take him for granted a little bit just because, again, he's not going out every single night just dropping 30 and 40. He could if he wanted to again, but he doesn't. He likes to see his guys eat, and I think in the long run, that's going to help this team ultimately win a championship. So I got to give it to Jimmy. He's been playing hella good. Sadly, he's our only all-star that's going to represent us this year in Cleveland, but – he deserved it nonetheless. And um, yeah, man, Jimmy Butler's my spotlight player of the week. Right. And you, Brian? Uh, I'm gonna go bam, just because, you know, again, I've been really impressed with with the with the aggressiveness. And, you know, he's played really, really well as as that top scorer in that role as of late. Um, 
And, you know, it's the culmination of, of, like I said earlier, things that we've been asking to do all year. Whether they're not, he keeps up, I don't know. But these past few games, I've loved to see it. I, I really, really have. So I, I got to give him props for that. Right. How about you, George? Uh, for me, it's got to be Kyle Lowry. The fact that he's come back for the last three games and we've won the last three games very convincingly means that he's got to be it for me. Jimmy deserves it. PJ deserves it. Everyone on this roster um, pretty much deserves it. That's been playing over the last few weeks, except for you, Chris Silva. Get off my team. Um, but Kyle Lowry just knows how to push the offense. He knows how to just, just work. When his numbers aren't right, you can feel it. You know, we, we against the against the Spurs, we didn't even, you know, his facilitating was so important, having as a threat, but he played individually quite terrible. That was his first game back after how many weeks off due to personal reasons. We still don't know what that was, by the way. But um, I hope you're all good now, Lowry. But the fact that he comes into this roster and makes us that better, that that much better, means that he's going to be my spotlight player of the week. Right. And for me, I'm going to say Gabe Vincent. And the reason why is because the dude's been playing amazing when coming off the bench for the Heat. You know, he's a solid defender and someone who can knock down that three ball. He had a pretty good game, you know, this last one against Washington. And, you know, to see him play good, especially after all the slander he's received in the past, it's just such an amazing thing to watch. And it just shows you how good the Heat's development team really is. And, you know, I don't want to take too long talking about this because I know all of the Heat fans out there listening to this will now want to hear us talk about the trade deadline. And it's only right that we talk about this most recent trade the Heat made as the Heat went out and they traded Casey Akpala to OKC for a second round pick. This is big for this opens up a roster spot for the Heat, whether if they make a trade or explore the buyout market. To add on to this, according to Anthony Chang, the Heat and Thunder also agreed to amend the 2023 first-round pick Miami Oats OKC. Because of this, the Heat owes the Thunder a protected 2025 first-round selection that, if not conveyed, will be an unprotected 2026 pick. Why do I bring this up? This is because this allows the 2022 or 2023 first-round pick of the Heats to be traded. Having said that, I want to ask you guys, what's your takes on this trade for the Heat? Brian, I know this is a sore subject for you, but do you think you can start us off? Yeah, um, while I do that, I just want to kind of make note of a few of KZ Okpala's legendary milestones while he was with the Heat. Um, under the KZ Apollo era, the Miami Heat had a, fi- had a finals appearance in which they pushed the legendary LeBron James to six games, uh, multiple all-star selections, record-breaking three-point shooting seasons, Tyler Hero turning to a fringe all-star, guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent uh, becoming real solid NBA players, all under the watch of KZ Apollo as he cheered on from the bench, no doubt imparting his wisdom uh, greatness, athleticism, uh, all of those good things onto his fellow players, uh, you know, supporting Spolstra in his times of need. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but I think that it's pretty clear, I guess is the, the, the closest thing I can say 
that without Kaysley, none of this happens and nobody could ever prove me wrong. There's literally no way to ever prove that without Kaysley Paula, any of these things would have happened. So thank you, Kaysley, for your great time. Um, you're an amazing player, truly a Hall of Famer. I believe your number deserves to go up in the rafters uh, once you're done or, you know, as soon as tomorrow, because that's, I just think it's fair. Um, with all that being said, I definitely am excited for what this trade does for the Miami Heat because they now can trade both their 2022 and 2023 first-round picks. You have the Duncan Robinson salary to add to any trade. Um, they have Omer Yurtseven, who might be of interest to some teams, and then they have a minimum salary in Marquise Morris. You know, you aggregate all those things, and you might be able to get back a, a, an impact player like a real impact player and you know while there are still smaller names out there that i think are more realistic um you're looking at this heat team and you're really really excited about you know the ammo that they have to essentially go into you know if not this deadline then the off season and and really look at some guys you know it, it it's common knowledge as an NBA fan, like we can expect somebody to be unhappy at some point. And when that happens, we know that the Miami Heat are going to be on their short list of teams that they want to play for. Um, and the fact that the Heat now have the ammo to be able to, to be competitive in those trade talks while still not, or whilst not having to give up one of their core pieces, that's a scary thing for other teams, and it's great for the Miami Heat. So, yeah, this is this is a re- this should be a really really happy day for Heat fans. Right, and you, George? Yeah, no, I'm, I don't want to keep repeating what's been said already, but Casey, when you were here, you were a pain to watch sometimes, but now that you're gone, you you have served us the purpose of cap relief, getting that free, uh, you know, twenty twenty two and three first round picks a second to cover the one that we lost, you know, it, it was good. It was good while it lasted. You know, we traded three second round picks for him. We had such high expectations, um, but nothing came to, to fruition. And it happens, you know, we saw it with justice as well. We, we take a risk and it doesn't pay off, but, you know, it's just one of those things you have to, you have to get over and, and deal with. It was, it was fun though. I liked the project. He, he, he was getting back. He was actually looking productive this year. It's sad that we had to see him go, but it frees up that roster spot for someone that's actually going to make a bigger impact on a more consistent basis. Someone like, you know, a Thad Young um, or something like that, whoever makes it in there. But I'm going to say um, getting those picks freed up was so important because we've had such bad draft capital um, from last year, the year before, and, and looking for the foreseeable future, we had such a bad draft hand. Um, that freeing him up actually did some some good for us. But I want to think the bigger picture um, and, and what we can offer teams that are actually looking to sell really, really good players. Like, I know it's 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 a long stretch, but, you know, with a Duncan contract and, and having Omir on the, you know, looking like a good prospect, a package could be made for someone like a Bradley Bill or a Donovan Mitchell, if they were to come, become available. Now that's extremely wishful, wishful thinking, but we have that hand. Now we have what teams are looking for. We're looking, they're looking for future, um, 
you know, future young good players like Hero and Duncan. Duncan's not particularly young, but he can still serve a purpose. And we, now we've got picks. So it's going to be interesting to see what, they, what they're going to do with it. Do I think it's going to happen before the trade deadline? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But, you know, it's going to be fun to see now. Right. And last but not least, how about you, Kevin? Yeah, man, I think Brian and George pretty much hit it, hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, um, I, I'm appreciative of not only KZ, but OKC for taking KZ and um, allowing us to take off the protections from that first round pick. And I'm honestly, at this point, I'm just curious to see what we, what we do with it. If, you know, that impacts something, you know, within this upcoming, you know, free agency debt or excuse me, trade deadline or sometime within the near future. So I don't really know, you know, I'm, you know, KZ was cool. You know, he's a project. Like George said, he was frustrating as hell some nights, but um, I'm hoping he can try and, you know, make some things work in Oklahoma City, um, even though they have a lot of young players kind of already at his position. But hopefully he's able to, you know, find a little bit more of a better fit. You know, it's hard to put on a championship team when you're a young player, especially because you don't know yourself. You really don't know your role and you don't know what games you're going to play. So you always get, just kind of got to stay prepared and stay ready. But again, I'm wishing him the best. And um, honestly, I'm, I'm genuinely just curious what the Heat do because, I don't know. I have no idea what direction they're going to lead forward into, especially with, you know, I assume they're going to try and, you know, fulfill that um, backup power forward spot with the uncertainties surrounding uh, Marquise Morris. But I guess that's to be determined. Right. You know, because of this trade, so much possibilities open up for the Heat. And it's crazy because that this could possibly not be it. You know, we're like, what, less than 24 hours away from the trade deadline. And because of that, like, I got to ask you guys, is there, like, any names in the trade market that y'all think the Heat should go after? And do you guys see the Heat making more trades moving forward? Uh, what's your take, George? Yeah, look, I'll just focus on two. The buyout market's a really interesting one because that's the one that everyone's leaning towards, thinking that, that, that we're going to pursue a, um, a buyout more in a better case than um, actually going for a trade. But... Thad Young looks like he's hitting that market. And, you know, we've been talking about getting another stretch big to back up PJ um, just to make sure and just to actually give some, get some minutes off the bench. But Thad Young looks like the best case scenario there. It's going to cost a fair bit to get him here, but hopefully with the salary cap relief from Opala um, that we can actually get that done. That's my preferred route. But if we were going to go for a trade, I think the PJ Washington... Um, route seems a bit more realistic. I think that I'd be happy to part with, you know, Omega at seven for him and a second round pick. I, I would be more than happy with that. Just to get someone off, off the bench that that really can play that four, five, you know, four, five role. He's been playing three, four, five the last three years in in, um, in the Spurs. And I feel like he's still got a lot to offer. Um, so that, that's that, that young. But with, with PJ, you get that younger option who does play, you know, actually not that bad of defense as well and really can stretch the forward at a, at a good to high level. So there's not, there's not no possibility of, of, um, you know, of getting that trade done in 24 hours, but we're going to look at other teams as well. Who's got a bit, a bit better of a package to offer a team like Charlotte, but for a big, big player, I think that's off the table now. I just think that the, the, the roster's in a pretty good place at the moment. You just need to really be careful about who we, we're bringing in, who we're giving minutes to, because at the moment, it look, it, we've got the rotation pretty much set. So it's going to have to be someone that's actually going to make 
a big enough difference to really correct the rotation. Right. And how about you, Brian? Uh, yes, I feel like it's going to be like a P.J. Washington or a Rui Hachimura. Um, I don't expect them to make any kind of a big acquisition this this uh, trade deadline. Like I, like I said earlier, I think that all that stuff is going to come over the summer. Uh, so if they don't do that, I wouldn't be surprised if they just stood pat and waited for the buyout market, which isn't, you know, the fun thing that everybody wants to hear. But, you know, as, as some people on the timeline have been saying, it's the number one seed. Like, I think that the Heat front office is probably looking at their biggest acquisition as being Victor Oladipo getting healthy. Um, that's going to be the, I, I don't know if you want to call it a move since it's on the team, but that's going to be the thing that really, really impacts the second half of this season. Um, so outside of that, I don't really know if there's any other names that they're, you know, really, really going to be super interested in. You know, I think that there's the pie in the sky names, which you know, aren't even, you know, I mean, really good names that are pie that I still think are pie in the sky, like Harrison Barnes. I think everybody would love, um, you know, a, a Jeremy Grant would be fantastic. You know, Marcus Morris, all those guys that, you know, I think would fit really, really well for the Heat and, you know, in theory, definitely make a lot of sense, but probably won't happen just because, again, they're going to say, I think they're going to save their assets for a bigger move. Um, so, which I'm not mad about. I, I'm really not. Like, I think that, you know, you do wait for the big fish in the summer. Right. And Kevin? Again, yeah, I agree with both Brian and George. Like, I, I think the power, the backup power four, the backup four spot is probably the only thing that Heat need. But, you know, as we mentioned, like, this team is sitting atop the East with, all these dudes going through different things, you know, different injuries and things like that. And, you know, Kyle Lowry was out for personal reasons. You know, we don't know. We shouldn't want to know it's their business. But um, me personally, I'm under the impression, just like Brian said, just stand pat. You know, no pun intended. Literally, you have everything for the most part. That backup four could um, pay dividends if you get a good one. Like, I would not mind P.J. Washington. I probably prefer Thaddeus Young just because he's more experienced. I think he just – I think he will fit a championship team better. I think P.J.'s kind of young, but – you know, he could bridge the gap, you know, between, you know, the few prime years that left that we have with Jimmy and going into the age of Bam and things like that. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I just think the back of four spot is the only position they should be concerned about. Outside of that, I think you're good literally at every other position. And to be honest, like, I don't even think it's a big need because really you just kind of need somebody to help you cruise through the regular season. And there's probably a few candidates out there that could do that, but come playoff time, like Spo might not even use the backup for like that. For all we know, I'm just saying like the way PJ has been playing, like obviously you can't play him an entire game. You shouldn't want to play him an entire game, but we've seen last year, he was playing heavy minutes with the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. So um, hopefully he can do the same thing here. Um, but I don't know, man. I think the Heat are fine where they're at. If they got to go get that four, I think I trust it just like the rest of us should. I trust in their front office to make the right move. Just, you know, wait for the opportunity to, to arise. Right. And I agree because, you know, seeing the way how this Heat team played this year, like this is the first time for me in like a while where I'm actually fine where if the Heat don't make a trade, you know, in the past, it's like the Heat have to do this. They have to do that if they really want to, you know, compete come playoff time. But that's not really the case this season. Like, I'm 100% fine with the Heat simply keeping things the way where it is, you know. And another thing is, if the Heat do make a trade, it's like I personally would want someone like, I guess, P.J. Washington. I know that's the name a lot of people have brought up and you guys have brought up as well. 
I think that would be a great addition to this team. But, you know, trust Pat Riley. You know, I, I know Pat Riley is looking, thinking about what he's got to do. And, you know, I, I think I speak for all of Heat Nation when I say that we're going to support his decision, whether if he wants to, you know, keep the team the way how it is right now, or if he wants to go out and make whatever trade that is feasible. So now that we've talked about the trade market, I now want to talk about the buyout market. I know you guys went slightly into detail about it and some potential um, candidates, but, you know, since this will be a hot topic once the trade deadline comes to an end, like, I got to ask you guys, like, is there any other, you know, ca- candidates that you guys got in mind regarding players that he can go after once the trade deadline comes to an end? Uh, this time you could start us off, Kevin. Um, Honestly, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I generally don't know, man, because, like, I don't see Dad Young being bought out like that. Like, if I'm him, I'm staying and I'm keeping my 14 mil. Unless you can get a better offer somewhere else, which I doubt happens, then you might as well just play out your contract left with the Spurs. So, honestly, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be mad at Paul Millsap if that ends up happening. But even with him, like, he sounded very unhappy, you know, with his situation in um, role in Brooklyn. So, you know, he would just be whatever. But, again, it's like we, we really just need someone to help us get through the rest of the regular season. Because after that, playoff time, it's not even going to matter like that because Spoh's going to shorten his rotations, and that'll be that. But, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Like, again, I, I thought it could be that young, but I'm looking at it now, like, his contract, he'd just be smart. And I'm probably, I think he's probably thinking the same thing, just play it out and go from there. So, um, I don't know, man. I just, again, if, I, if I'm the Heat, I just stand pat, man, at this point. Right. How about you, Brian? Yes, I think it's too early to say who's going to be bought out. I mean, the, the only guy that comes to mind for me is Pat Young, but I kind of feel like he's bound for either, you know, Milwaukee or the Nets or, you know, maybe Philly if they lose uh, Matisse Thibault. But, yeah, right now it's just we don't know. We I think we got to see how the trade deadline shakes out and then we kind of have a better idea of who might get bought out. But at this point, it, it – it could be anybody. And I don't think that, I mean, I think that the heat are going to look, you know, at that market, obviously, because they have to, especially since they have an open roster spot. Um, but I don't think they're relying on it too much. Like I said, like the biggest addition is going to be Victor Oladipo. Right. And then you, George. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm going to stick with, um, with that young, I know he's got a $14 million, you know, contract sitting on the table for him, which is pretty, it's probably not going to get traded, which is sad because, I think that he could definitely it's it's it might just be too valuable not to trade, but if he doesn't reach the buyout, that's who I'm looking at. Another player we're looking at as well is um Goran Dragic. I know I know he's got a pretty good track record on the heat before, but um no, nah, I'm just joking. It it just it it wouldn't feel right to bring someone like I actually don't know if he's eligible um eligible to come back. I think he might be actually. Um uh, but would you would you all be angry at a Goran Dragic? Uh, re, you know, reuniting with the Heat. So, um, like, well, before I answer that, I just got to say for him to be eligible, he just has to be traded somewhere else and that team would have to buy him out. Um, but regarding that, I mean, I don't know because, you know, I, I got much love for Goron, especially after that 2020 run. And, you know, I really wish I could have seen him win a championship with the Heat. 
Uh, but I don't know because the dude is getting older. Like, I don't know what he could offer to the table at this point of his career. Like, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, like, you know, I don't want to sound make it sound like I'm hating on Goron because I'm not. Like, you know, he was the guy who, you know, essentially got us through those Dion James Johnson years. Like, I know that he's loved by people outside, obviously by fans, obviously by people inside the organization, you know, teammates, all that. Like, Goran had a great run with the Miami Heat. But I just I just feel like it'd be I don't know, man. Like I don't want to I don't want to be disrespectful and say it would be a dead spot, dead roster spot, but it kind of be a dead roster spot. Like he wouldn't be playing, you know, obviously he wouldn't be playing uh above Kyle Lowry, obviously not not above you know Victor Oladipo when he gets back. I don't even think he probably plays over guys like Struess and Gabe Vincent at this point. You know, Duck Robinson shooting, you know, he's gonna play that two spot. Tyler Hero, obviously not. Like he would kind of just be like nostalgia on the bench. And, you know, as much as everybody loves Goji, like I just don't think he really feels a need for this team. That's trying like if they're trying to win a championship this year, then you gotta find guys who, you know, plug holes, you know, that are gonna be you know, needed in crucial in crucial moments. I just don't think Goran's going to be that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, you know, if he if – he, I wouldn't be mad, per se, but, like, I, I just don't think they need him. Right, and you, Kevin? Yeah, again, like Brian said, I just don't see a need for him, man. I'm appreciative Goran don't – Goran, don't get it twisted. Like, he had, he had a lot of great memories in Miami, but the way this team's playing, the, the, the trend that they're going in, like – if you're a spell, you, you really don't want to mess with this rotation at all. You don't want to mess with this team's chemistry. And I'm not saying Goran would ruin it or worsen it, but I just think, like, we, like we've been saying, this team is good. This team is in a good flow. It's in a good rhythm. They just got their starting point guard back with Kyle Lowry. So, like, I just don't think you interrupt that, man. As much as I would love to have Goran back, I just think right now we're straight. We just, we just don't need another point guard. I hate to say it because I would, I would love to have him back, but he's not a necessity like that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then, George, I know you got something you want to add on to this. Yeah, no, my, my take was was purely on nostalgic purposes. I think that we've really enjoyed seeing Gabe flourish into that backup point guard role, so I'm not going to take that away from him. If we were to bring him back, um, it would be, yeah, it would be purely for nostalgic purposes. It just, I just can't I, – I, I don't know. I don't want to see this team win without, <laughs> without Gogi. The – you know he's been so good for us since 2014 when we when you know we um was it 2015 I should know just 2014 and 15 sorry 15 when we um picked up in a trade but he's been so good for us and to see him come back it would be to play that you know that Carl guy type of role which is if we have him we you know he's there but our guard depth is so so deep so he he'd, be, he'd barely crack the rotation in the regular season, let alone the, the postseason. But um, I was actually looking at this trade and I copped a lot of slack for this during the week. But if this is, a, you know, if getting Bradley Bills a high-end move, getting PJ, uh, PJ Washington's a low-end move, this would be a mid-end move. And that's moving Duncan, Omia, and a second-round pick for someone like uh, Marcus Morris. Now, I copped a lot of slack for this during the week on Twitter. But I think if that's, a move, like there's a if there's a move to be made, that's the one I'd want to be. That's the one I'd want to see. Um, I, I don't understand what people don't like about it. The fact that he's a three three level uh, scorer, he's a threat. He, he's been playing so well for the Clippers, and 
you know, we have Struis to take up that starting shooting guard role if Duncan wants to go. So I just want to get you your guys' thoughts on that. I love it. I love the Marcus Morris idea. Um, I would definitely move uh, Duncan for Morris. Like, he provides so much of, you know, I think what this team lacks from a, from the four perspective, and I think he's the perfect – he's a perfect four to play with Bam. You know, I get the idea that he wouldn't be a closer on the team, but neither is the guy that you're trading him for. So I don't see – like, this team lacks guys that can score at all three levels. Um, he would probably honestly be the second best three level scorer on the team, uh, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, like I don't, I don't really see why people would hate it. Like, I get that, you know, it's a shakeup, but, you know, like his salary, what, how many more years does Marcus Morris have? I wonder. I think it's a two year deal. Oh, two year deal. All right, cool. So, yeah, you can still include a salary in a bigger deal. Um, he's still, I mean, he's not the shooter that Duncan is, but I mean, he's still a above 40% shooter on pretty decent volume. Um, I would love it. I'm, I'm with the Marcus Morris idea. And I'm all for it too. Like he is like a better player, a better overall player than Duncan. So I'm definitely open to the idea of getting him regarding the Clippers and them wanting to actually part ways with them. That's something I'm unsure about, but I'm definitely open to the idea of Marcus Morris coming to the heat. And then you, Kevin, I'm gonna have to say nah, man. Just because I'm not a part of this group that is so that's so desperate to just trade Duncan. I just think, and I said this the last time I was on here, like he just plays such an integral part of this offense and a lot of things that he does. And again, I know he had that stretch where he was just shooting the ball bad and he fans was just over him. But I mean, he's been playing better as, as late, and he's actually been, I think, showcasing a lot more in his repertoire, um, too. Like I said, he should and he probably would, and um. I just – I can't do it, man. And I understand it because I would love to have Marcus Morris too. I think, you know, I know that he were close to getting him like a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken, when I think around when they got Jimmy. But I just feel like, man, Duncan is too good. Like, like you just don't find shooters like that. Like, Duncan's one of the best shooters in the league. I don't care if he's going through a slump. Like, Steph Curry goes through slumps. The best shooters ever go through slumps. So, I can't be mad when our shooter goes through a slump. It happens. And, and yet, here we are still sitting atop the East. So, like – I just can't do it. I love the idea. Again, I just – I value Duncan too much. And when you when you think about it, like, I mean, honestly, like, how many minutes did Max Struess play in the Buck series last season? I don't think he played that much, if any. So, like, that playoff experience matters. Duncan's been there, done that, been in long runs, long games, overtime games, all of that, the whole nine. So, I, I just can't do it. As much as I would love to have Marcus Morris because he feels a need that we desperately need, I just can't do it, man. I value Duncan Robinson way too much. Right. I agree, you know, and basically when you look at it, I mean, we could just keep going with the names, to be honest. And when a while we could sit here and talk about it all day, I think it goes back to what I said earlier where, you know, we just simply got to trust Pat Riley. And, you know, we know what we, we want. We can sit here all day and just, you know, talk about we need this guy, that guy who we can trade, who we shouldn't trade. But, you know, I know Pat knows what's best for this team. And I'm, I'm pretty sure right now Pat is in a great position because this team isn't like the other teams before. You know, I think Pat looks at this team and he knows for sure this is a championship contender. And he knows that if he, if he wants this team to win now, 
he's going to have to make a move, you know, if it's going to help this team, you know, get to that point, if it's going to help firmly establish them as that number one team. So because of this, I mean, we'll just see what happens. You know, if the Heat make a move, like I said, we'll be cool with it. If they don't, we'll be cool with that. So, you know, we've been talking about transactions for so long. I feel like now it's time to talk about hoops and talk about this upcoming game for the Heat as they'll be playing the Pelicans. So let's look at it real quick. Uh, the Pelicans, they're currently 22 and 32. Um, this will be the Heat's second meeting against them. This Pelicans team is a little different, though. Um, to those who didn't know, the Pelicans went out and they went and traded for C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell from the Trailblazers. Uh, but really, aside from that, I mean, what's your expectations for the Heat? Because especially with the recent report coming out that Tyler Hero should be probable for this game, uh, I'm going to just give my prediction straight up. I do think we should win this game, especially with all the rest that we got. You know, do you guys feel the same way? Uh, you can start us off, George. No, I'm I'm pretty confident about this game. I just look at all round. We 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 are by far the better team, and and now with new players, new systems, they're gonna to have to learn. Um, it's it's we don't know who's available for them. If they play all three, um, you know, it's gonna be a massive boost to their their roster. That's that's been lacking for so long, but I still think that they come in with a sense of um having nothing to lose in this situation because it's their first game together, um, which actually takes the pressure off them a lot. So they can be a dangerous team. And I said this is the first time that we versed them. Valanchunas has been has proven against us to be some sort of a heat killer. Now, I don't think he'll be doing it against... I forgot which team he did it against where he dropped eight threes on them. Eight, eight of, he went like eight of eight or something like that. I don't expect that. But um, this meeting, we have Bam back. You know, I didn't think we had uh, Lowry for that game or Jimmy. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be our starters doing the work. If Tyler's back, that's going to be a massive, massive um, bench boost for us because they like to score and they like to score in bunches as well. So it's not a game I'll take lightly, but it's going to be a game that it's going to prove, you know, if we're going to finally beat those teams that we should be beating. The last three games we've done it, it's, it's about continuing that streak. Mm-hmm. And you, Kevin? Yeah, I think we win this game by double digits. Um, the Pelicans are currently on a three-game winning streak. Of course, two of those games against the Rockets, probably one of the worst teams in the NBA, if not the worst team in the NBA. And they beat the Nuggets, which is a solid win, so I'll give them that. But Brandon Ingram has been playing really well. I do like his game a lot. Again, I think we win by double digits. Um, I expect a big game from Bam. You know, you have a challenge in Valanchunas. You got to step up and meet those um, because – I don't want to sound like a hater, but like a lot of a lot of the praise that Bam gets happens against teams that don't have really good big men. And I want to see him do that against teams that do. And I think that would help out his confidence and his psyche a lot. And so I, I want to see him try and dominate this matchup, not necessarily dominated by just scoring, but just being an overall pesking presence on, the, on both ends of the floor. So, um, again, I, I do think the Heat win by double digits and the Pelicans three game winning streak and stretch our winning streak. Right. And then how about you, Brian? Yeah, I think this is a pretty easy dub. I think, you know, it's going to be a double-digit win. You know, the Pelicans aren't very good. I feel like teams after, like bad teams, after they make pretty significant trades, uh, you know, they don't 
win right away. You, you got to, you know, acclimate your pieces. You know, guys like CJ, I don't think he's going to play the next game. You know, it's still he's been important in his whole career. He's going to he's going to have to learn a whole new system. Um, so I think it's probably a pretty easy win for the Heat. Right. You know, overall, I, I expect a blowout win from the Heat, too. And, you know, before we close it out, I know, George, you got something you want to add? Yeah, no, sorry. I just want to make a correction. Uh, I said that we didn't have Jimmy that game. We did. Um, Jimmy had a triple-double, actually, a 30-point triple-double. Um, but we have Lowry and Bam Mack for this game. So, yeah, it's going to be a really fun watch. Heat basketball's back. We've had two games off, and we're actually undefeated with um, – coming off two days rest this season as well. So that's that's another good thing to look at. Right. So with all of this being said, you know, I can't wait to see what happens the next time we pod, especially as we wait for this trade deadline to come and then seeing how much win- games the Heat will win as well. Uh, but before we close out today's episode, I want to say thank you all for tuning in. And if you want to see more Heat vs. The World content, go ahead and follow our Twitter and Instagram at HVTW Podcast. While checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com. Last but not least, make sure to check out Culture Shot, the Heat vs. The World's newest extension show, which is the first Miami Heat pod to feature an all-women cast, as they'll be dropping in a, a new episode very soon. Uh, and once again, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast, and we'll see you guys soon with another episode. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.